Thanks for tuning in to the Met Church Podcast. Here at the Met, we are all about connecting people to God and one another. If you have any questions or want more information about what's going on here at the church, then head to our website at metchurch.com. We would love to stay connected with you throughout the week through social media, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, enjoy the message. You know, I think you would agree with me this morning that uh, everyone is going through something. Or everyone has been through something. In fact, pain is the common denominator. I may not know you very well, you may not know me very well, but there is a level on which you and I can connect on, there's a level in which we can communicate on, and that's the level of our painful experiences of life. Everybody has them. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. It's just inescapable, it is inevitable that you and I are going to go through difficult experiences of life. We're going to have some painful experiences, things that are gonna be difficult to navigate through and things that are going to be hard to comprehend. Now we can understand the difficulties of life when somebody else creates them, right? I mean, you look at someone and they betrayed you or they left you or they broke their heart or broke your heart. And so you're going through something as a result of what someone else did. Now those are painful, but they're understandable because no one is human. Everyone's fallible. Lamentations five, verse seven, the Bible says, our fathers have sinned and they're not even here and we have borne their reproach. We're having to deal with the mistakes of someone else. So we get pain that's caused by other people. Uh, We understand pain that the enemy creates for us because the Bible says in John 10, 10, he comes to steal and kill and destroy. So we understand that when the devil assaults us or attacks us, uh, we understand when he comes against us that that's an indication most of the time we're going the right way. If you're not running into the devil, you may be running with him. (laughs) So we get when we have difficulty that's created by our enemy. And sometimes we understand when we have difficulties that we brought on ourselves. Isn't it awful not to have anybody to blame but you? <laughs> That's a miserable place. The Bible says in Galatians 5, 7 that you, you tend to reap the things that you've sown. And so when I go through something that I've done and I'm reaping the consequences of a dumb decision, then I don't have anyone to blame but me, but I understand it, I get it. Yeah, it makes sense, I know that. So I get pain that's created because of someone else's mistake. I get pain that's created because of um, the enemy. I get pain that's created as a result of something that I did that I wish I didn't have, that would not have done. But I wanna talk to you this morning about a pain that comes into our life that, is, that has a, a design of, of, of sovereign nature. Something that God allows to happen in our life, or even greater than that, something that God may cause to happen in our life. That, I think, is probably the most difficult thing to comprehend. It is the most difficult thing to navigate through. It's whenever you know this is not the result of someone else. This is not even the enemy. This is not something that I did that I wish not, I have not have done. This is something that for what, what reason, I don't know, but God has either allowed this or he has caused this to happen in my life. Now I can tell you, this is where the train jumps the track for a lot of people spiritually. 
Most people who walk away from church have a story, and most of their stories have the common painful denominator that something happened in your life that made no sense, that was not fair, that had a divine origin associated with it, and so you couldn't comprehend it. God didn't explain himself and even didn't seem present in the midst of it, and so you just said, I'm done. And by the way, I don't criticize anyone that's ever come to that crossroad. I've resigned a lot of times. I've quit a lot of times. I just didn't tell anybody. I've quit church, but I just didn't tell you because it could be a bad thing for my career. I just say I understand. When people go through stuff and they walk out the door and they're angry at God, you know what I do? I give them some space. There's a psalm where David said, God has placed me in a large room. God gives you space. Sometimes you don't feel like praying, and sometimes you don't feel like reading the Bible. Sometimes you don't feel like associating with other people. Sometimes you don't feel like going to church. I get it. I'm just simply suggesting to you that you and I will go through painful experiences of life that are difficult, and we know God has either allowed it or he has caused it, and it's there we find ourselves at a crossroad. And can I tell you this morning, you do not know how strong your faith is until it gets tested. You really don't. I mean, we can kumbaya and oh, how I love Jesus because we're in a safe space. But when we break out of this holy huddle and we go out into the real world where you're gonna get knocked around and you're gonna get hurt and people don't always care about you out there, all of a sudden, that's when your faith gets stretched and that's when you find your faith tested and that's when you see really what you're made of. Pain will always show you something about you that you did not know about you before you went through the experience. That's why this morning my talk is entitled, How Pain Measures Me. I can learn something through the painful experiences of life, or as the series indicates, I can grow in the midst of pain. And I wanna tell you this morning, there is a way to get through what you're going through you can get through it. You can make it. You can have a song in your heart again. There can be joy in your life again. One thing about pain is it's not permanent. It's temporary. And the beautiful thing about God being in control of that, he sees to it that your pain never gets to the point where it's unbearable. He said, I won't put more on you than you can can handle or withstand. Have you ever said, if one more thing happens to me? You ever said that? Have you ever noticed one more thing never happens to you? God forbid if it ever did. We might go nuclear on somebody. But it never does. Because when pain is of a divine origin, God knows exactly what I need. He knows when I need it. He knows when I'm through with it. He knows the purpose for putting me uh, in in the midst of it. And I'm just suggesting to you that I, I come to the crossroads of life where I am this morning, where I choose, I choose to trust God. And man, when you're going through a difficult experience, like my family is going through, I, uh, it's kind of fresh. My, I got a call uh, last night that uh, my aunt in Oklahoma was 
uh, killed in a car accident. So kind of put that in the, in the rotation with a lot of other things going on. <laughs> other than that, Miss Lincoln, how was the play? <laughs> I, I use humor as a coping mechanism, those of you that know me. It's much better than bitterness and anger. I've tried that. It doesn't wear well on me. I just know that some things in life that we go through um, make no sense that aren't fair. And here's what, I, here, here's what, I don't know a lot about God. <laughs> what little I know about him, I've learned through his word and through experience. But here's what I know about him. He seldom explains himself. And what I found is we don't live on explanations we live on promises. I, I look into the Bible and I see a promise like this. I will never leave thee or forsake thee. That's a good one right there. Now it's not an explanation, it's a promise. Isaiah demanded of God, explain yourself. This doesn't make sense, this isn't fair. I, 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 I need answers, the dots don't connect. How, how is it that this is happening? Why me, why this, why now? And finally God answers Isaiah. You know what he said? He said, Isaiah, my thoughts are not yours. My ways are not yours. He said, as high as the heavens are above your head, so high are my thoughts above yours and my ways above yours. In other words, he said, Isaiah, you don't have the, you don't have the mind, you don't have the bandwidth, you, you don't have the capacity of understanding me. So basically what he was saying to Isaiah is what I'm trying to say to you guys this morning. It's where I'm trying to be every day that I wake up in the morning is I, I choose to trust God. I choose to trust him. I just say, God, I don't get it, it's not fair. You haven't, under, you haven't explained it, you didn't ask my permission. <laughs> I'm in the midst of it. But God, I trust you. Why? He's too good to do wrong. He's too wise to make a mistake. The apostles watched him work and said, he does all things well. He, he's never made a mistake, he's never went, oops. <laughs> it's never happened. And what I've had to come to terms with, guys, and maybe this will help somebody, I've had to come to terms with this, and that is some things that I go through and you go through in life, we will not understand this side of heaven. And you have to be okay with that. Now, I know some people aren't. It's the thing that drives you away from God. It's the thing that drives you out of church. It's, it's, I, I just, this, it's just not fair. I don't accept it, I, I, can't, uh, I can't agree with this. And if you've been there, you find yourself in good company. You remember uh, Jeremiah. Jeremiah said, God, I will never speak of you again. You talk about when the upright get uptight. He said, I am absolutely done. I will not, I will not mention you. Now, I've never been that far that I've admitted. <laughs> But Isaiah said, I won't even say, I won't even say God. I won't even mention him in conversation with other people. I want to forget that I even ever knew him. Jeremiah, the prophet, Habakkuk. Habakkuk, he says, God, you're unfair, you're unjust. Your people, you're treating them worse than people who hate and despise you. Have you ever been there? Man, I go to church, I'm trying to do the right thing, I'm giving some money, I, I volunteer. I'm working my glorified backside off for you, God. And this is the, the thanks? Are you serious? 
I'm just saying if you've been there or you are there or you're coming out from being there, you're in good company because a lot of great people in the Bible had those thoughts and those experiences. John, went; he quit. I mean, Simon Peter, well, John did too, but Simon Peter, he, he went back to his former life. He was a fisherman by trade. John 21, I'm going fishing. I'm gonna go, here's what he was saying. He wasn't saying I'm just gonna go fish. He was saying, I'm gonna go back to doing what I did before I ever met God. I'm gonna start this thing over. This hasn't worked well for me. It's too painful for me. Listen, in every case, because they belonged to him and because they were in God's hand, he never left them there. He brought them back. The Bible says he'll leave the 90 and nine and go after the one. God loves you more than you love you. He cares about you more than you can comprehend. And you may get mad and he'll let you and you may say things that aren't real sanctified and he'll let you and you may walk away and he will let you. But if you are in his hand, at some point, he'll bring you home. There'll be something in your heart that just draws you back to God. And so I'm saying some things in this life will never make sense this side of heaven. One day it'll make sense. And one of the reasons is I I don't have a glorified mind. Uh, They say we function on just a low percentage of our brain's capacity, our comprehension, our ability to understand. But one of these days, I'm gonna have a glorified mind. Third John says, beloved, when we see him, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. But until then, we have our questions and our fears and our doubts and our struggles and our pain. And I remember hearing my dad preach many times about heaven and he would talk about it and the church would sing an old hymn and I won't try to sing it, I don't wanna stampede the herd. But the words of it went something like this. We'll talk it over in the by and by. We'll talk it over, my Lord and I. I'll ask the reasons, he'll tell me why when we talk it over in the by and by. I remember as a kid thinking, what a beautiful sentiment. One of these days, get to heaven, sit down with Jesus and say, okay, back in 1963, <laughs> I was five and change. Mom and dad split up. He kept pastoring the church, but we went to Oklahoma, went to school there for a while while they were working through things. So what, what was that story? or later on with their difficulties and their struggles in life, and my mother would later tell me, she said, honey, if I'd killed your daddy when I thought about it, I'd be out of prison right now. (laughs) She really said that. (laughs) You know, I'd go through my life with him, right? You start asking him all these stories as a kid, I didn't understand, I didn't comprehend, it made no sense, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And you start, but then something hit me. Well, if I have that many questions that I wanted to ask Jesus one day when I get to heaven, think about the multiplied millions of people that are gonna be there. Man, is it heaven just a big Q&A with God? <laughs> All right, All right. now the S's, we're down to the S's now. The next million years, you're gonna get the Q&A God. No, 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 here's what I think, here's what I think. I think when I have that glorified mind, I'll have the mind of Christ. I think the first expression I'll have when I get into heaven, you ready for this? I think I'm gonna go, 
Oh, okay. All right, we're good. I got it. I'm okay now. Wasn't okay back there. <laughs> so those things I think we'll work through with that glorified mind, you'll know. It won't make sense here. So, so I, here, I've had to get to a point where I'm okay with that. I, to, to, to maintain my sanity. <laughs> I have to just step back from my life and say, you're God, I'm not. I know I didn't do anything stupid to bring this on myself. This is not even someone, I don't even think my worst enemy would wish this on me. I, I don't think the enemy has the power to do everything that we've been dealing with. I don't think that, so, so, so. For some reason, for whatever reason, God has permitted, allowed, caused the thing to happen in my life that I don't understand, that I may not understand until I have that aha moment in heaven. So to get through what I'm going through, to keep my spirit right and my heart tender, I choose to trust God. When the people were going through a difficult time in scripture, as they often did, God spoke to that same Jeremiah, the same prophet, that at one point said, I'm done with you, God. He spoke to that same prophet and said, Jeremiah, I wanna give you a word picture that might help people who go through painful experiences to understand and comprehend what I'm doing in their life and, and how this works. And in Jeremiah chapter 18, if you have a Bible, you might look there. If not, look at the screen just for a few moments. The word comes to Jeremiah and, and basically the Lord says to Jeremiah, go to the potter's house. And when you get to the potter's house, I'm gonna teach you a lesson. I'm gonna use the potter as an example of how I'm working here. And so he does that, he goes to the potter's house and there he's working at the wheel and the vessel he's making of clay, note now, was marred in the potter's hand. So what did the potter do? He didn't throw the vessel away because it was broken. He didn't throw it away because it was marred. Instead, he just reworked it. He reworked it again, what? To another vessel, as what? That seemed good to the potter. Potter says, this is, this is what, this, this is the best. He knows, what's, he knows what's best. And then the Bible says, the word of the Lord said, Jeremiah, can I not do with you, O house of Israel, just as the potter is done, says the Lord, just as the clay is in the potter's hand. So are you in my hand, O house of Israel. Three things I wanna give you. Number one, if you're in his hand, if you're in his hand, you're being shaped. You're being shaped. The ancient art of pottery is one of the few artistic expressions that remain as it is virtually unchanged for centuries. The potter takes that lump of clay and he moistens it and he works it and he gets the clay pliable. He caresses the clay and he gets the clay where it will respond to his touch and then he puts the clay on a, on a wheel, on, a, on a, uh, a table if you will. It's connected to, a, they call it a wheel because it spins, it's connected to a foot treadle. And the potter would pump the foot treadle and the wheel would turn and as it's turning, the potter is working the vessel because the potter has a vision for the vessel even while it's in a, 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 a ugly form. He sees what this vessel could become and he begins to shape it. God sees what we could be. 
He takes us where we are, but he sees what he, Romans 5, 8 says, while we were yet in our sins, he loved us and died. He sees, he sees what we are, but more than what we are, he sees what we could be. You ever walked along the beach and you found driftwood just there on the, on the beach and, and you just kind of look at it and you walk by it? Did you know later when you go into the gift shops, have you ever noticed some of those pieces of driftwood that are there for sale for a lot of money and people have taken that driftwood and made something amazing and expensive and artistic out of it? It's because when I walked down the beach and I saw it, I just said, driftwood. <laughs> when an artist walked by it, they said, potential. Do you know God's never looked at your life and said, driftwood? He's never looked at your pain and, and, and not been moved. The potter in the analogy is obviously a picture of God. The clay in the analogy is obviously a picture of us because the Bible says we're formed from the dust of the ground. It's true of us physically, it's true of us allegorically. In the 103rd Psalm, the Bible says we're like dust. And so the clay represents us, the potter represents God. What does the wheel represent? It represents the turns and the vicissitudes and the changes of life. What Stevie Wonder said, world go round in circles. <laughs> you ever feel like your world is spinning out of control? You ever said, stop the world, let me off? <laughs> what are you referring to? You're referring to the spins and the changes and the vicissitudes of life. And can I tell you, the potter is in control of the spin. In fact, as he's working in your life, he's shaping you in the midst of the things that are spinning you. And the most significant thing the potter will do, get this now, is he will keep the clay centered on the board. If the clay gets off center, it'll go off and the potter can't work with it. So he works to keep the clay centered. Let me ask you this morning, are you centered? Are you centered? Are you centered physically? When you're going through a difficult time and your life is spinning, it seems to be out of control, one of the things that you will fight will be depression and you won't take care of yourself. You'll neglect exercise, you'll neglect going to the doctor, you'll, you won't watch the gauges of your life because you're going through such a dark time, it's hard to force yourself to get out and do anything physically that's good for you. But one of the things you have to do when you're going through the spins of life and you're in the hand of the potter is keep yourself centered on the board. Physical, emotional, stay centered. Are you hanging with people that are pouring into your life? Are, 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 are you surrounding yourselves with replenishing friends, people that bring out the best in you, that want the best for you? You have people in your life that can weep with you when you weep and rejoice when you, when you rejoice. You have people who help you stay centered emotionally. Are you centered spiritually? You're here this morning, and I just thank God for you being here this morning. And you're, you're, you, we all struggle with keeping a spiritual center, but I'm telling you, it's significant as the potter shapes our life in the midst of the spins. Stay centered. Because what is inevitable as he works in our life is the second thought, and this is the difficult one. That's when we become shattered. Listen to this. It is doubtful that God can do anything great in someone's life until to some extent or another, they have been broken. It is doubtful that God will use anyone greatly in life until they have been broken. And many times the greater the brokenness, the greater the use. You know why Larry shared his story? He's been broken. 
He sees the benefit of helping other people through his painful experience. And, and right now, you may not see it. You may be shattered this morning. Your heart may be broken. You may be struggling. But God is going to use this experience of life if you stay centered. He'll use this experience of life to bring something incredible and beautiful and powerful out of your life that'll end up helping someone else. But there is a shattering. When the potter squeezes the clay, all the impurities of the clay come out. When you're, I've told you, when you're being squeezed, what's in you comes out of you. <laughs> Matthew 7, the Bible says it's out of the, out of the heart, you know, right? All of the evil things flow. When somebody cuts you off, let me ask you, and, and you, and you uh, say something not real sanctified, did that person who cut you off, did they put that in your heart or did they draw that out of your heart? It's already there, right? You know what happens when you get squeezed? What's in you comes out of you. And by the way, we're all full of something. <laughs> and so when that potter begins to squeeze the clay, what's in the clay comes out of the clay because we're all full of things that we don't like and things that we may not even be aware of. But all of a sudden, in the midst of that, we start seeing things about us. Remember the measure? We see things about us that need to be changed and worked on. And there is a positive thing that comes through the painful experiences that we go through in life. Shattered. And then the third thing that happens with this vessel that he's making is it gets showcased. Let me explain. Second Timothy chapter two, the Bible refers to us as vessels, vessels. And it says in a great house, there are vessels of honor and vessels of dishonor. Meaning there are some vessels you display and some vessels you just keep under the sink in a drawer. It's functional, utilitarian, but it's not, you're not gonna put it in your china cabinet. And what this potter is doing is he's working on a vessel that is not only useful, but he's working on a vessel that can be beautiful. He's getting this vessel not only where it can be displayed as a vessel of honor, fit for the master's use, so it can be displayed and showcased, but this vessel can also be functional and usable. You, you can entertain and you can pour out of the vessel. That's what God's doing in our life. He's shaping us so that he can use us. Back in the first century, I shared this before, but in the first century, uh, there would be merchants that weren't real reputable. And sometimes these merchants would have a, a vessel that would be damaged. The pot might have a crack. And so what they would do is they would melt wax and they would fill in the cracks and then they would paint over it and sell the vessel as though uh, it was whole, uh, that it had integrity. You know, we get the word integrity, it's the math word, integer, a whole number. Integrity comes from that wholeness, wholesomeness. And integrity means there's, there, there's, there's something wholesome about your life. And so these disreputable merchants would sell these vessels that had cracks, but they were covered with wax and painted, and you wouldn't know it till guess what? You heated them, and you tried to use them, and the wax melts, and the liquid is lost. So they developed, if you will, a first century good housekeeping seal of approval. It was a Latin word on the bottom of the vessel. And the word was sena cara. Sena cara. So when you went in to buy a vessel, you would look at it and you say, this is beautiful and I could actually use this, I'll display it. And then you would turn it upside down and you would see etched into the vessel, sena cara, the Latin without wax. 
This is a whole vessel. It's a good vessel. It has integrity. It's worth the money. It, it has been forged and it has been uh, 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 beautifully appropriated. And so now I'm going to purchase this and use this and I can have confidence in it because it has sinna cara stamped on it. Now you and I don't use that Latin word, but we use this word, sincerely. When you write someone a letter, those of you old schoolers like me, you write a letter and you sign that letter sincerely, you know what you're saying? Without wax. <laughs> I'm not a crackpot, huh? <laughs> Everything I've said is true. <laughs> this letter, it will hold water. It will hold weight. It has wholesomeness. It is, has integrity. I'll put my name to it. It's sincere. It is sinna cara. It is without wax. Now that's important because of this. In Philippians chapter one and verse 10, Paul said the desire of God is to present us, and here's the word he used, as a sincere servant of God. Same word. Sinna cara. So what's God doing? He's shaping us sometimes shattering us so that ultimately he may use us, showcase us, so somebody else will be blessed and benefited by what pours out of our life. 1502, Santa Maria, Italy, a wealthy landowner gave his church a huge piece of marble. And they were trying to find someone who could sculpt this marble and, 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 and do something that would be beautifully displayed at the church and in the village for everyone to enjoy and see, but they couldn't find anyone. And finally, one man stepped up and claimed to have skills and claimed to be able to sculpt, and he began to work on this magnificent piece of marble, and it wasn't long until he shattered it, broke it. There was nothing to be done. They dismissed the artist, they covered it, and they set it aside. The word went around the countryside that the church had been given a beautiful piece of marble that's now been set aside because it's shattered and seemed to be of no value. And a young artist heard about it. His name was Michelangelo. He traveled to the little church in Santa Maria and he said, could I try to fix this piece of marble that's been broken? They said, what do we have to lose? And he began to work on it and sculpt it. And today, that little broken piece of marble became one of the most beautiful statues of David that he ever sculpted. Broken, set aside by the church, covered, ignored, until it came into the right hands. Ladies and gentlemen, you may be here this morning broken, feeling like you've been set aside by the church, feeling like no one understands, I wanna tell you this morning, your life will have meaning when your life is in the right hands. I'm convinced this morning, God can take the broken pieces of my heart and yours and do something really, truly amazing. Be honest with you, I'm counting on it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word that never returns void. And I pray for my friends here today who may be going through difficult times. And they're all over the page emotionally. I pray you'll encourage them and strengthen them. 
Remind them, Lord, that they're in your hands. You've got them and you've got this. And it may not make sense, this side of heaven. But Lord, we believe you are too good to do wrong. You're too wise to make a mistake. So we choose to trust you. I pray for my friends here this morning or watching online who may never have received you as Savior. May this be the moment when they say, Lord Jesus, take the brokenness of my life into your hands. Forgive me of my sin, be a reality in me. For others who need to come and let someone just pray for them and encourage them before they leave, I pray they'll find their way here at the altar and let someone spend a few minutes to pray with them before they go home. And Father, I pray now you'll watch over us, guide us, guard us, give us a productive week, help us to make a difference in someone's life. Thank you for the gift that this day is. We give you praise and we give you thanks. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Have a great rest of your Sunday. We'll see you soon. Thank you so much for tuning in today with us. If you have any questions or prayer requests, please contact us so that we can follow up with you this week by visiting metchurch.com. We look forward to seeing you again next week.